0: Praise the Lord. What a joy it is to come to you again this week. We're talking about free at last. Those of you that joined us last week, we read from John chapter 8 where Jesus made this statement, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Thank God for freedom. Thank God for what Jesus did at Calvary. You know, uh, I travel all over the world and, and it's thrilling that everywhere you go, someone comes up and says, hey, I'm watching your broadcast. I'm talking about in Africa, Australia, Asia, Europe, everywhere we go. Somebody says, I watch your broadcast each and every week. And what thrills me is to be able to say to people who perhaps have been in bondage all their lives, you know, I remember the first time I had the opportunity to uh, preach in Budapest, Hungary. And this was right after the Berlin Wall came down. Now that nation, along with many others, was part of the former Soviet Union, and they'd been lied to for 70 years that there was no God. You know, and I remember when I went to Budapest and never having been there before, I knew a pastor there because I'd helped before the Berlin Wall fell to uh, uh, smuggle some good material into that <laughs> nation, you know, and uh, he, he did it all. I supplied it, but anyway, uh, he had an underground church there. And he'd been thrown in jail many times for preaching when they'd catch him. And, but he'd get out and start preaching again, you know. So as soon as that wall came down, he asked me if I would come. And never having been there before, you know, uh, didn't know what to expect as far as the turnout, you know, and so forth. But just before we went over there, my secretary, Carolyn Rattan, found out that Fort Worth, Texas, where we are, and Budapest, Hungary had entered into a sister city relationship and that Budapest was studying, studying our local government to find out how to, you know, incorporate democracy now that they weren't under communist rule. And so that was, that was interesting. And so she contacted the mayor's office at that time and told them I was on my way over there and asked if they would like for me to be an official courier. To the mayor of Budapest. So the mayor of Fort Worth wrote a special letter and I was like an ambassador. I was taking (laughs) this letter to the mayor. So we set up an audience with the mayor. Well, when the mayor of Budapest found out that I was coming and what I did, he he started publicizing our meetings, you know, that I would be there. And so then as that began, the pastor realized we got to find a bigger place so they rented the downtown sports arena in Budapest, Hungary that held 13,000 people and it was packed to the ceiling, hallelujah, hallelujah. with 13,000 people. So I met with the mayor first and then we went over to the meeting and the, uh, the press was there for the local newspaper and so forth and they wanted to interview me before I preached. And the first thing they asked me was, because they saw I smiled all the time, I had joy and this the guy that was head of the press corps said, uh, and of course I'm talking through an interpreter, his first question was, me was, why are you so happy? Why are you so happy? So I told him about Jesus, that that's where my happiness comes from. And uh, he said, but this joy that you have, I said, it came from Jesus as well. You know? And so he, he was writing and they all writing you know, and, and what they were going to put in the newspaper that day. And I invited them to stay for the meeting. And so they stayed for the meeting. And I started preaching five minutes into my sermon. And the title of my sermon was, Jesus, the Oppression Destroyer. Yes. Now, the reason I, I chose that, and, and the re, first of all, because that's what the Holy Spirit told me to do, but I knew these people had been in oppression for 70 years. Yes, when you've been told there is no God, you're going to live oppressed. Wow. Amen. And I knew they'd been oppressed for 70 years. So I wanted them to know that Jesus was the oppression destroyer. And I preached for five minutes and people started running to the front wanting to get saved. I preached a little while longer and people started jumping out of the second level of that auditorium down onto the main floor running to get saved. In a little while, it looked like the entire audience was coming forward to get saved. It, it, it uh, was such an overwhelming experience. I had to go behind the curtains. I was crying. I couldn't stop crying. Just watching this sea of people wanting to be free from oppression. And, and then I came back out. I led them all in the, in the prayer of salvation and they received the Lord. And the next day, I might add, we taught on the Holy Spirit and hundreds of them were instantly baptized in the Holy Ghost. You know. But after that service... The the leader of the press corps came back and said, can I interview you again? I said, why? You interviewed me before. He said, I didn't understand what you were saying, but tonight I got saved, and now I understand Jesus, and I want to do a better interview. And so they did the interview, put it in the paper, and I'm telling you, it was amazing to see people who had been oppressed all their lives now enjoying freedom. Now, from that, that pastor went on. Now that it's no longer illegal to have a church, he started his church, or he came out from being underground, and today, that church has over 50,000 members, praise God. I preached there. I had to preach five services with 10,000 people in each session, and he does that every week, you know, but isn't that amazing? Now, see, that just goes to show you when people find out they don't have to be oppressed anymore, you can't keep them away from God. That's right. amen? amen? Because He's the author of that freedom. Yes, sir. If the Son makes you free, then you're free indeed. Yes, Can you sir. say amen? amen? Now, you know, the sad thing is Jesus set us free 2,000 years ago. Why aren't more Christians enjoying freedom today? Well, let me give you a, a powerful example of the same thing. I grew up, I was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi, 1946. And many of you know, and particularly, you know, a lot of you that are watching the broadcast. In those days, the 50s, you know, I mean, racism was a major thing in this nation. And my home state of Mississippi was one of the most racist in America. I saw racism as a little boy. I saw the Ku Klux Klan as a little boy burn crosses in people that lived right down the road from us. We, there were a lot of... Uh, we, we lived way back in the country. A lot of black folks lived on our road. I played with black children. I didn't know there was any difference. I just thought they'd been in the sun longer than us, you know, and had a wonderful tan, you know. Uh, I, my parents didn't raise me To be prejudiced or or racist. And uh, but I saw that. And then we moved to Louisiana where I grew up. And uh, uh, you know, it was there as well. Most of the southern states, a lot of racism. And uh, of course the civil rights movement was going strong, particularly in the late 50s and early 60s. And then uh, a man by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. came to the forefront. He was not the first, but he came to the forefront with his message of, you know, uh, freedom, that he's he's reminding people of what Abraham Lincoln said in 1863 in the Emancipation Proclamation, which declared all men are created equal, all men are free, and no one has the right to enslave someone else. Amen. Amen. Now, Abraham Lincoln, in his Emancipation Proclamation, what was that, January of uh, 1863, declared freedom. But it was a hundred years later, 1963, 1964, that Lyndon Johnson, July of 1964, signed the Bill of Rights Act, enforcing what Abraham Lincoln said in 1863, So that says to me that the black man had been free 100 years. But it took 100 years for somebody to stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. You don't have any right to keep us enslaved any longer. 100 years ago, it was written. We are free. Amen. And they began to enjoy more and more freedom. And certainly to our today, more and more freedom. In fact, I think it's very interesting. I had the privilege here just a short time ago, preaching in my birthplace of Vicksburg, Mississippi, and the mayor came out to greet me, and it thrilled me that he was a African-American man. Come on. Amen. Come on. Amen. The mayor of my hometown, that would have never happened in 1950. On. Amen. But that tells us that Freedoms are being enjoyed more and more, or more and more freedom is being enjoyed. Yes. Yes, okay? Yes, now, this is what the Christian needs to do. Yes, our emancipation proclamation as human beings yes. began 2,000 years ago. Yes, when, when Jesus was raised from the dead, praise God, our emancipation proclamation was in force. Yes. Amen? And believers ought to be standing up all over the world saying, Satan, you don't have any right to keep me in bondage anymore. It is written, I am free. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what I did 45 years ago. Man, when I read this, I thought, wait a minute. This is my Bill of Rights. This is my Emancipation Proclamation. This is my Magna Carta. You know, that famous document in England that that pronounce certain liberties. Yes, sir. Amen. That's what this is. The New Testament is our bill of rights. Hallelujah. Amen. That we are free. Yes, sir. Free at last. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We don't have to spend another day in bondage. You say, well, why are so many Christians in bondage then? Because they don't know the truth. Amen. John chapter eight, once again, if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Give the Lord a shout over that. Amen. Amen? The truth will make you free. Now, the dictionary defines freedom as the state of being exempt from the control of another. The state of being exempt from the control of another. Satan has no right to keep us in bondage. Now, bondage is defined as subjection to captivity, slavery, and restraint. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 13 and look at a beautiful example of Jesus setting a person free during his earthly ministry and the, the basis upon which he felt he had the right to set that person free. In Luke chapter 13, great story, beginning in verse... 10, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Now notice, that ought to tell you where it came from right there, a spirit of infirmity. Come on. Amen. Amen? A spirit of infirmity. And she had this for 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from this infirmity. Now notice how Jesus reacts to bondage. When he sees somebody in bondage, the first thing he thinks is set them free. Amen. Amen. They ought to be free. Praise God. He said, Woman, you are loosed from this infirmity. Now somebody says, Well, I just wish I knew the will of God where sickness and disease is concerned. She was sick for 18 years and Jesus immediately said to her, woman, I loose you from this. Amen. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter one, that Jesus perfectly expressed the will of God in the earth. So if you want to know what the will of God is for sickness and disease right here, you should be loosed from that infirmity. Praise God. And then notice in verse 13, he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. There's a great statement. How in the world could sickness glorify God when it says very clearly when she was free from sickness, God got glory. God doesn't get glory out of us being sick. God's glorified when we're set free from it, praise God. Amen. When we receive the manifestation of our freedom, that's when God is glorified. Verse 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. There they go. Because that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. What bondage. These people are in such bondage that they can't even rejoice when someone who's been bound up for 18 years is set free. Come on. And they said, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. I wonder how many times she went to the synagogue on those other six days and didn't get healed. Come on. Yes, sir. Why? Because there's no healing taking place anywhere right. Come on. under religious leadership. Right. The Lord then answered him and said, you hypocrite. <laughs> I like Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> you hypocrite. <laughs> Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ass, ox and his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering. In other words, don't you call that work? That's right. You you loose your your donkey, your ox. You know, when you consider that work. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, now here's the basis, this is the foundation for why Jesus said to her, Woman, I, you're loose from this infirmity. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, Whom Satan hath bound. Underline that, highlight that. All of you in the audience, if you got your Bible, underline, highlight that, whatever you do in your Bible so that every time you pass by this, it jumps out at you. Notice Jesus made it very clear. It's not God making people sick. God told the people in the Old Testament, I am the Lord thy God which healeth thee if you're sick today, God didn't do it. Amen. It's not God who made you sick. Notice Jesus made it very clear that this woman was sick. She was in bondage to sickness. She had a spirit infirmity of infirmity because Satan was behind it. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loose? From this bond on the Sabbath day. Praise God. Now let's remember what freedom is. It's the state of being exempt from the control of another. In other words, Jesus is saying to this woman, woman, you do not have to be under his control. Why? Because you're the seed of Abraham. You're the daughter of Abraham. You know what that also tells me? That Jesus didn't introduce healing healing was provided for under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. He's just reminding her, wait a minute, sweetheart, you're the daughter of Abraham. You don't have to be in bondage to sickness. Amen? No more than Martin Luther King Jr. introduced freedom to African Americans or black people. He's not the one that introduced that. He's just reminding the world, hey, something was signed into law a hundred years ago. Amen. Jesus is reminding her, God made a covenant with your father, Abraham, and you have a right to live in health. Praise God. You have a right to be free from this bondage. Praise God. And now because of what he did at Calvary 2000 years ago, the Bible says, We have a better covenant founded upon better promises. If this woman had a right to be free from sickness and disease with the covenant she had or she lived under, how much more? The covenant we live under, hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. We have the right to be free. So what is bondage? It is subjection to captivity. It is slavery. And Jesus said, this woman should be loosed, From this subjection to captivity, to this bondage and to this slavery. You ought to be loose from any form of bondage, any form of slavery. That means that you and I do not have to live under restraints from the devil. Can you say amen? Amen. Satan does not have the right to hold us back. Satan does not have the right to hinder us. Satan does not have the right to restrict or to limit us. He does not have the right to confine us. He does not have the right to set boundaries in our lives. I wrote a book years ago called No Boundaries. Hallelujah. Yes, Amen. He does not have the right to fence us in. Anybody as old as me? Anybody remember the king of the cowboys, Roy Rogers? He used to sing, don't fence me in. Hallelujah. Amen. Satan has no right to fence us in. Say this with me. We are free. We are free. The Son has made us free. The and, free, we free and we are free indeed. Give somebody indeed. a high five and say, thank God. <laughs> Amen. You say it in the viewing audience. I am free. The Son has made me free and I'm free indeed. Praise God. Now let's go to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Oh, freedom is wonderful. Praise yeah. God. Galatians chapter five and verse one, stand fast. Now the understood subject of the sentence here is you. Paul's writing to us believers. You stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Notice that's past tense, wherewith Christ hath made us free, that's past tense you're not going to get free when you get to heaven. Amen. That's not when, Oh, thank God. When we get to heaven, there'll be no more tears nor sorrow. Why wait till then? Amen. Well, when we get to heaven, we won't have to live in sickness and disease and poverty. Why wait till then? You know, I read years ago, 45 years ago, Jesus in a prayer, a model prayer that's been called the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God wants us living in earth like we're already in heaven. Amen. Is there any sickness in heaven? How many angels have you ever met with broken wings in heaven? And there's a healing line every Saturday. Huh? No? Nobody goes to heaven sick. You know? You don't, if if you had cancer in the earth, you don't walk into heaven and wait for the great physician to have a healing crusade. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. Certainly no lack or want in heaven. No demonic oppression in heaven. And Jesus said, his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I decided if that's the way he wants me to live, then why don't I start enjoying freedom from sickness and disease, freedom from poverty, lack, and want in the earth, so when I get to heaven, it won't be so foreign to me. Hallelujah. I'm not going to walk in heaven going, "Zowie, shazam. (laughs) No sickness up here. I can do that down here, praise God. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not saying Satan never launches an attack. I mean, I'm, I'm human just like everybody else. He tries. You know, he tries to put sickness or disease on you or symptoms on you. Or he tries to attack your finances and all that. But that's why Paul said, stand fast in that liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Why do you stand fast? Taking your God-given authority. Amen. You have to take a stand. Amen. It's like drawing a line in the sand, praise God and saying, Satan, you have no right to cross over. You know, uh, we have a, we have a lot of phrases that, that talk about taking a stand, you know, remember the Alamo or, uh, you know, or, you know, set your jaw, you know, get some backbone. There's a lot of phrases that are used, which simply mean stand fast in the Liberty. In other words, Get fed up with this. Take your stand. Draw your line in the sand and tell the devil no more. Amen. Create that bloodline over your house, the blood of Jesus. Amen. Satan, you're not allowed to cross the bloodline. Amen. I'm off limits to you. My family's off limits to you. My children are off limits to you. We are free. The son has made us free and we're free indeed. Hallelujah. Give the Lord another shout of praise. Amen. Yeah. Folks, you are free. You don't have to live in bondage. And if you will wake up to the revelation of God's word, know the truth, then I'm telling you, your days of bondage will be over. What's this special announcement? And I'll be back in just a few moments.
1: Are you struggling under oppression or trying to break bad habits? Well, you can be free at last. Oppression has a way of making you feel absolutely helpless, struggling to make it through each day. In Free at Last from Oppression, Jerry Savel teaches the truth about your situation and how Jesus paid the price for your freedom. Habits can bring you down or take you to the top. Success results from good habits. Addictions result from bad. In Free at Last from Old Habits, you can find freedom from old habits that seem impossible to break. Also included in this set is the CDT teaching from Jerry Savelle, opinions, attitudes, and outlooks, vital keys to a bright future. In this revealing message, Jerry Savelle will teach you the vital keys needed to produce God's blessing in your life. You can live blessed in victory and success. Don't wait. Request this powerful trio today. Free at last from oppression. Free at last from old habits. And opinions, attitudes, and outlooks. Call or visit jerrysavelle.org now. Put an end to oppression and bad habits and be free at last today thanks again
0: for watching our broadcast today. It means a lot to us to hear from you. Those of you that are watching and and this broadcast is helping you in your spiritual growth. If you're learning from the Word, it's taking you to a higher level. I would appreciate hearing from you. Once you write to us or call us or go on the website, share your testimony with us. We love hearing from you. We love knowing that our broadcast is touching lives all over the world. So take a few moments and contact us and let us know you're enjoying the broadcast. Also, don't forget the special offer on Free at Last, the Free at Last package, my book, Free at Last from Oppression, also Free at Last from Old Habits. You say, well, why did you write that? Because, you know, that's one of the things that keeps people in bondage, creating wrong habits. And I talk about that in great detail in this little book, and I'm sure that it'll be an inspiration to you. And then right along with it, is three CDs entitled Opinions, Attitudes, and Outlooks. Your attitude has everything to do with your outcome. You know, if you wake up in the morning feeling low and depressed and, you know, and in the natural, nothing looks like it, working out for you, if you maintain that attitude all day, I'm going to tell you it's going to affect your day. So be sure and order your free at last package today, If you'd like to order it, there's a phone number on the screen, or you can log on to our website. But let me encourage you, as I always do, do it right away. Also, if you'd like to be a partner with our ministry, we would certainly welcome that. A partner is someone who sows into this ministry on a regular basis. Usually people do it on a monthly basis. No amount is too small. It helps us to continue to expand and to reach out to more people This ministry is known around the world for teaching people how to be winners in life through the Word of God. Your partnership helps us reach more and more people. So, contact us if you'd like to be a partner. We'd love to have you in our partnership program. And one of the things I like to tell my partners is this the grace that is on me and on this ministry, you become a partaker of that grace. Praise God. Thanks for watching. Don't ever forget now. Your faith will overcome the world. So start exercising that faith right now in the name of Jesus. And remember, the Son has made you free and you are free indeed. Hallelujah.